Here, there, and everywhere. SAFM 105.8 FM in Neisner. Okay, so now let's get into the story that I told you about where over 250 participants that went to take part in the Commonwealth Games in Australia have not returned to their countries after the Games and after the expiry of their visas. Some are now seeking asylum in Australia while others have completely uh, vanished. And we know this because this matter was before Parliament in Australia this week on Monday to be exact. And Immigration Officer Melissa Golightly made these revelations. Australia's Home Affairs Minister Peter Dutton also told a radio station that side that people seeking asylum would be assessed according to the merits of the case. It's a mesmerizing story depending on which side you're looking at it from. Uh, so to get more clarity about this, we put a call through uh, to David Roby. He's the Defense and National Security Correspondent for the Sydney Morning Herald and The Age and is based at a Parliament House and uh, he was kind enough to speak to us and help us understand this situation and if you have anything you want to add or you want to give your views on this one, please do call us after at uh, this interview and let us know what you think of this matter and, and and what you make of how the Australians are handling it. David is going to reveal all of that shortly. Uh, we had to pre-record him because I think it's 4 a.m. Uh, right now in Australia and we didn't want to wake up his family and get the guy to be speaking to us at 4 in the morning. So I, I, we had to pre-record him just before, just be, well, a couple of hours ago. And I began by asking David Rowe to explain exactly how many people have gone missing um, after the games and whether they are all athletes or does it include a team officials it's a mixture of both and uh well there are 250 people approximately in total who have um decided to stay in australia or are trying to stay in australia about 50 of those are actually missing though the rest have already declared themselves to authorities and are applying for various kinds of visas, almost all protection visas, though. Uh, so they're now uh, awaiting, uh, you know, assessment on whether or not they deserve protection under the um, under refugee laws, and, uh, you know, they'll find out in due course. But about 50 have disappeared into the community. Okay. And, and where do most of them come from? Which countries? The, the government hasn't gone into a lot of specific detail, but uh, what we've heard is that they are largely from, uh, I think, Sierra Leone, Cameroon, uh, Uganda and Rwanda. Those are the four countries that have been, uh, that have been mentioned just around uh, the places um, as where the athletes and, and other team members are coming from. So there are, uh, you know, there, there may be some coaches, there may be some um, physios, support staff, administrators. There might also be members of the media who came here on the same type of special visa for the Commonwealth Games and have stayed as well. So they may not all actually be team members themselves, but they might be journalists as well. Mm, and please explain to us, David, how this visa situation works. Have they been staying legally in Australia since after the Commonwealth Games or does it expire um, when, the, when the Games end? So the, the, pardon me, the special visas that were given for the Games expired on May 15. Yeah. So um, anyone who has stayed beyond that time and hasn't uh, applied for a protection visa is now here illegally. So that's 
the roughly 50 people that I mentioned, everybody else is on now on some kind of bridging visa while the Australian authorities assess their claims uh, for protection. Uh, so, you know, they are here legally at the moment. They are living in the community. They're not in detention or anything like that, but they are you know, free to move around. But I think the authorities will decide their cases sooner rather than later. So they will either uh, be granted protection or uh, they will be... Um, uh, you know, sent on a plane home from Australia. Mm. And and if that 50 resurfaces, are they still able to seek asylum Asylum now that they are illegal in Australia? Sorry, can you just repeat that question? I'm saying if, if that 50 that's gone missing now uh, comes back and resurfaces, are they able to seek asylum now or are they considered illegal and they'll be deported now because they've missed the May 15 date? My understanding is that they can actually still apply for asylum now that they are here. Um, if um, if the government decides, though, that uh, you know that they pose a risk of some kind of uh, you know a, a risk of fleeing, uh, then uh, they may choose to keep them in immigration detention. But <clears throat> if they are in Australia, if they are on Australian soil. They actually do have the legal right uh, to apply for asylum here. So although the government hasn't spelled this out, yeah. uh, my understanding of the law, I, I can't see any reason why they wouldn't, you know, if they are apprehended by authorities, then go on to seek asylum. Mm. And are you able to tell us if some of these athletes even participated in their events or not at the Commonwealth Games? Um, we we know of a couple of uh, there are, there are a couple of athletes who are publicly known to have uh, to, to have sought asylum after the games. I think there is a um, I think there is a boxer from Cameroon, and I can't remember his name off the top of my head. Uh, there are a couple of people whose whose identities are already publicly known. But um, for most part, we, do, we don't know who they are. So we don't know, you know whether they were athletes or um, uh, something else. So, no, we don't really know that much about that. And, and obviously, this is not the first time something like this has happened, either in Australia or after major sporting events. As Australia, though, was this kind of expected? Yeah, it, it was expected. Um, our immigration minister, Peter Dutton, he described it as a quote-unquote transaction cost of hosting the games, that basically you expect that, uh, that some people will not leave afterwards and uh, will, will seek to stay here. Um, I think after the last Commonwealth Games that were in Australia, which was Melbourne in 2006, though, mm. it was only about 45 people who stayed. And, uh, you know, so 250 this time is a, obviously a big increase on that. And it was more than the government was expecting. They weren't expecting anything like 250. I think Peter Dutton uh, said before the Games that they, they expected maybe a handful or a few dozen uh, to try and stay. So the number itself is something of a surprise. Mm. And I know some countries here in Africa, like Uganda, for example, did send out warnings before the Games that all their athletes must come back. Were there similar messages coming out of Australia? Uh, yes, they were. Um, Peter Dutton, again, um, uh, he issued a warning before uh, the Games just telling people that Australia has pretty tough immigration laws and people shouldn't try and uh, sort of work the system or game the system by um, uh, by trying to stay here. But, you know, the law is the law and, and, uh, and Australia abides by the, uh, the UN uh, Refugees Convention. So, you know, uh, if, if people 
uh, seek protection, they're entitled to apply for it. Uh, we have to process their claims. And if they are found to deserve protection, uh, then we have to accept them uh, as refugees. What is an interesting twist, I suppose, is that um, if a person uh, can now argue that uh, because they were warned by their own government uh, not uh, to try and stay in Australia, mm. they could argue that if they now return, they would face persecution. Uh, so it's really by staying itself, uh, the act of staying itself, that would um, uh, mean they face persecution back at home. I don't know whether anyone will try to make that argument. I think mm. that argument has been, or similar arguments have been made uh, before, and generally they're not very well received by the uh, the decision makers who um, who assess Mm. Uh, protection claims. You mentioned the Commonwealth Games in 2006 in Melbourne. There was a story of that team from Sierra Leone. Is this similar to what yeah. happened um, 12 years ago? What we're seeing now? <clears throat> yeah, very similar. So, um, you know, it's just it's just more people in, uh, included. And, and look, that was an interesting case because, of, of course, some of them have become Australian citizens yeah. and, and have since gone on to represent Australia at the uh, the Gold Coast Games this yeah. year. So, um, you know, so there are some positive stories out of that. And, and you know, although Australians, uh, you know, well, Australia as a country has fairly tough immigration laws and, we've, yeah. we're, you know, we've obviously uh, developed an international reputation for taking a fairly hard line on immigration, particularly uh, immigration from uh, boats uh, trying to reach Australia from Indonesia, but um, the you know but 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 there are some positive stories, and I think most Australians actually um, are quite moved by the the positive stories. Like uh, I th- was it uh, I think there were weightlifters from uh, Sierra Leone who've um, who've just represented uh, Australia. So uh, you know something like half the Sierra Leone team uh, in two thousand and six. Uh, you know, didn't leave Australia and and uh, and tried to stay. I can't tell you off the top of my head yeah. how many of them ended up being granted uh, asylum, but I think it was a it was a reasonable proportion of them. So, uh, you know, um, uh, you know, for those people, uh, you know, there are some quite nice stories over the about the lives that they've made for themselves, yeah. uh, having um, successfully stayed here. Mm, I remember reading, uh, I think two years ago, about a certain Lamin Taka, who I think was captain of that Sierra, Sierra Leone team. And he now uh, says he considers Australia home. He's got kids in Australia. He's got a wife I- in Australia. Is that one of the success stories? Yes, I think so, definitely. Yeah. And, and I know, the, I know the, the story that, you, um, that you're referring to. And yeah, it is. And he's got a, you know, he's got a lovely young family and he's been, he's been photographed with his family. He's been, on, uh, he's been in, in newspapers. And, uh, and you know, his story is, is celebrated rather than something that people look at as, you know, that somehow he's cheated or he's, you know, he's tried to sort of um, abuse the immigration system. Uh, and, and, and you keep on saying that the immigration laws are stricter now. Are they different from back in 2006? Look, they're a little different in that um, the the options that a person has for appealing decisions uh, have become tighter. Obviously, we can't change uh, international law, so you know we we we're a signatory to the um, to the UN convention. Um, that obviously hasn't changed, and Australia wouldn't have any power to change it. But if a person is if their claim is assessed and they are rejected. Yeah. They can uh, then appeal to uh, to a tribunal here and then to uh, a court after that. If they continue failing, then they can keep 
appealing through different legal mechanisms, that process has been tightened. So generally now, if you are rejected in the first instance, it's much harder for you to just sort of keep on appealing. Oh, okay. So as Australia, you you are obliged to, to basically let them seek asylum according to the UN statutes, basically. That's right. Yes. Ah, and um, and 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 also, David. Besides now, home affairs seemingly being accommodating. Uh, how does the rest of the country feel about this situation? Um, it's always a little hard to 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 judge the the attitude of people. Look, certainly, um, you know, our tabloid newspapers. Uh, which tend to be a bit, you know, a bit more conservative and a bit more right-wing, and therefore a little bit more uh, take a harder line on immigration. They certainly, uh, you know, their first, in, their first, um, uh, you know, uh, interpretation of this was that, uh, you know, that people were trying to sort of cheat the system, and that this was going to cost Australia millions of dollars because while they are here being processed. Of course, they need to be um, uh, fed and housed and uh, and all the rest of it in the community. So, you know, the, the focus was on, the, you know, that these people were um, sort of abusing the generosity of Australians and were costing Australian taxpayers money. But, you know, I don't, I wouldn't say that that's a, you know, even a, univer- a universal or even a majority mm. opinion. Uh, you know, I, there's a certain section of Australia that that feel that way. And I certainly got quite a lot of um, messages on Twitter and elsewhere from people saying, you know, we should throw these people out. They're just trying to cheat the system. Um, But then you tend to get more extreme views uh, on Twitter and and feedback to newspapers. So, um, you know, it's a relatively small number of people in the scheme of things. I, I think some Australians would be a little surprised that, you know, that this is just a natural... Uh, occurrence after hosting something like the games, but you know we we had a successful Commonwealth Games. Yep. Uh, everybody enjoyed it, and you know if a if a relatively small number of uh, people try to stay, and uh, you know and then some portion of those people actually successfully uh, gain asylum here, I don't think Australians. I don't think most Australians would have a huge problem with that. Mm. And finally, what are the, some of the reasons they give uh, for to seek protection? What are some of the situations that are, are saying are happening in their countries? Look, I'm sorry, I, I, that's a bit beyond my expertise mm. on this. I mean, obviously, um, uh, you know, obviously there, there can be there, there, there have been civil conflicts. I mean, Sierra Leone, you yeah. most uh, immediately think of as having a, a, a yeah. pretty. Um, a, a pretty obvious recent history of um, of internal conflict. So, uh, you know, I, I would imagine that people would have um, legitimate claims that they have a, I think, well-founded fear of persecution is the exact phrase that is used to judge whether or not someone deserves protection. Um, so, uh, you know, I, I just imagine that um, uh, that they would say that they are um, they are threatened by a rival uh, group, a rival ethnic group, or a, or a rival um, religious group, and um, uh, and that these are the grounds. But I, I, look, I don't know enough about the, um, the situation, certainly in um, mm. Uganda or um, Cameroon, uh, and I, you know, obviously Rwanda has its um, uh, has a very tragic history going further back to the 1990s. Yeah. But um, I don't know enough about the current situation there, and I, I because. You know, we don't know the identities of a lot of these people yet. Uh, it's a bit hard to say exactly what claims they're making.
Okay, no, thank you very much, David, for your time. Just on a side note, uh, not sports related, mm. now there was a story a couple of months ago that caused outrage in South Africa where I think the, the Home Affairs Minister said the farmers are welcome to go to Australia. Um, I mean, yeah. uh, what did you make of the reaction from South Africa? And what exactly were they saying that side? You mean what were the Australians saying? Or yes, what were the, what, what, the, home, saying? the Home Affairs, what exactly were they saying? <clears throat> well, this is... Um, this was an interesting uh, uh, case. Now, Peter Dutton, uh, the immigration minister, is a um, he's a pretty hardline minister on immigration. He's um, he, you know he's a conservative politician, and he um, he's known for making very strong statements, often uh, statements that some people find offensive, or uh, that, you know that provoke quite a lot of controversy. So um, personally, I, you know, I think he sometimes says things just to get um, a rise out of people or just to get people upset. Um, but certainly, I mean, certainly he, he is of a very um, conservative political persuasion. So, he, you know, he, he said that, uh, you know, white uh, South African farmers are being persecuted and we would uh, give them priority uh, if they were to seek asylum here. Now, we've learned this week in some parliamentary hearings that that is not actually happening. So the Home Affairs Department has said very clearly that uh, anyone who applies, uh, any any South African farmer, white farmer who applies for asylum in Australia uh, will be treated just like anybody else. Their, their claims will be assessed, they'll be processed, and if they are found to have a, um, a well-founded fear of persecution, uh, then they may be granted... Um, uh, asylum, but uh, and they gave some figures as to, to how many cases were actually uh, being processed at the moment. I forget exactly, but it was it was a hundred and something uh, people who had uh, made claims from South Africa, and then there were another maybe 150 or 200 people uh, who were in Australia and had uh, lodged claims as well. So, you know, there's a there's a relatively small number of uh, you know several hundred. Uh, people who uh, are being considered at the moment, but they're being considered just as anybody else would who comes from any other African country or from Syria or from Afghanistan or any other country. Did the reaction from South Africa reach you guys in Australia? Because there was outrage from the majority. Oh, yeah. (laughs) And what did you make of it? Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I'm not surprised that the South African government uh, responded the way it did. Um, I mean, again, I don't know enough about the the detail of what's happening on the ground Mm. there to be able to say whether um, the experience of some white South African farmers constitutes persecution as defined in the, um, you know, as we normally recognise relevant to to the Refugee Convention. Um, But I'm certainly not surprised... uh, that the South African government was upset, certainly by some of the language uh, that Peter Dutton used. I think at one point he referred to uh, a civilised country like Australia, the obvious implication being that South Africa is not civilised. You know, I don't think any country would would be very um, receptive to, to having language like that thrown at them.
Okay, thank you. That was David Rowe uh, from the Sydney Morning Herald and The Age is based in Parliament is a defence and national security correspondent. I know we sidetrack a bit at the end there when we were talking about farming, but the whole reason we're speaking to David is about the story of 250 Commonwealth Games participants that have not returned to their home countries and after the after the Commonwealth Games. And as you heard from David, um, most of them are from the African nations, Sierra Leone, Cameroon, Rwanda and uh, Uganda. And um, it's, it's fascinating how they're dealing with it in Australia. And I would like to get your views here. If you have any views, um, 0891104207. You can even drop us an SMS 40938 or a WhatsApp 0614104107. And I just want to find out, I mean, are the Australians being too nice? Or should they get credit here for what they are doing and, and accommodating this, uh, the, the, the people waiting to hear their side of the story and not just sending them on the first uh, plane back to wherever they come from? Or, as somebody says here on a Twitter, the tweet is in Sikosa, but I'll try and translate it even though Sikosa stole you. But basically the tweet says that this is just a new migration model. They just go and act as if they're going to the games. And then they know that they want to stay in Australia for a very long time. You heard David and I speaking about a, a certain gentleman called Lamin Taka. He was captain of the Sierra Leone team that went to the Commonwealth Games in Melbourne in 2006. And he's um, one of the 45 that stayed after the Games. He seeked asylum because he said that he could not go back to Sierra Leone because he was jailed before the Games uh, because he had publicly criticized the government for failing to pay athletes their Games stipend. And uh, the government wasn't happy with that. And he feared that if he goes back, he's going to face the, uh, the regime again and he was going to be jailed or even worse could have happened to him. And that's why he decided to seek asylum in Australia, uh, Lamin Ataka. And 12 years later now, he's got three kids. He considers himself as an Australian. He says that his kids are also Australian. And for him, that's the most important thing. They don't know the struggles uh, that he went through um, back home in Sierra Leone. And he says it's very peaceful in Australia compared to his country now. He can finish work and even go out until midnight back home. He couldn't uh, do that. And he's also got a wife, of course, um, Lamin Taka. So he's made a living. He's an Olympian. He sacrificed that, obviously, uh, for, for a different kind of life in Australia. But it seems like it's worked for him. So let's get your thoughts here. I mean, do you have anything to add to this conversation? Give us a call after this quick break. Call Tabiso now. 0891-104-207. Okay, let's go to Lungisani in Queenstown. Lungisani? Thank you for calling. Good hey, evening. Tabiso. Yeah. How you sir? I'm fine. How thanks. You? And you? I'm good. Yeah, tell me, sir. You know, I don't condone what these guys are doing. And I mean, that is giving the Africa a bad image. But Which guys? Which guys? I mean, the Austra- life, life is very tough in most African countries. Yeah. And they see these games as a way of running away from poverty, but still it doesn't make it right. Mm, but it's a tough one, like you're saying. Life is tough, and some countries have civil war, and and you don't know what the guys go back to uh, b- back home. Oh, Lungisani is gone in Queenstown. There, let's go to Mike. Mike, you are in Cape Town. Thank you for calling us. Good evening. Hey, man, okay, and you, Mike. I'm good, man. Yeah, thank you very much for the topic, man. It's very, the show is very, very interesting. I'd like to give you a shout out before I add anything that you you're doing an excellent job. Um, and we thanks, really appreciate thanks, this because we don't only football. Yesterday it was netball, and then the other day it's rugby. So thank you very much for the great job that you're doing. Uh, thanks, Michael. Um, thanks for contributing. I, I'd like to, to say up front that I'm very sympathetic to our brothers. Mm. Um, you know, it, it, you need to be sympathetic to them. And there's a sense of irony um, in the reaction from the citizens. When you look at the way in which 
America um, and the conservative right-wing side is responding mm. uh, to, to immigrants, uh, whether it's from Mexico, uh, from the Arabs, or even from us, Africa. Uh, the way in which they react—it's ironic because you wouldn't imagine that they are—they are—you would—you would not think that they are actually European immigrants themselves. Mm. Um, Australians, same thing, same logic—that they—they conquered people, they—they—they um, they, they, they took over the land, and now their attitude towards anyone that wants to migrate there um, gives one a sense of irony, and I, I can't help but sit. And, and, and laugh at this. Um, that's the same attitude in which we experience as well mm. um, with white South Africans in this country, um, in that they uh, seemingly are disputing who are the rightful owners of this. But coming back to the sport, I actually, as, as, as uh, I'm sympathetic to the brothers, and I understand why they would go mm. uh, to countries uh, and, and, and not come back to their original countries. But with us, and I was saying, I was thinking about the fact that we continuously host, uh, it was the Cricket World Cup in 2003, um, the, the Rugby World Cup we've hosted, the two AFCONs we've hosted, uh, and the Indian World Cup. And I was interested in, 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 in finding out what are the learnings um, in terms of people, the spectators that are coming here, and what do we know how many people we receive uh-huh. and who don't go back to their countries. And we will continue to want to host, I mean, we wanted to host and I'm happy that you didn't get to host that because we're not yet transformed. But what are the learnings, actually, if mm. we can find someone to speak to and, and find out how many people actually remain? Do we have the numbers? Um, a... Because we, our population statistics are 49, sometimes 51 million, where in actual fact we probably... 60 to 65 million. Mm, that's a good one, Mike. We did reach out to a few people actually uh, before the show, but nobody could really speak on the topic. We even reached out to Uganda actually to find out because, as I mentioned, they did send out warnings before their athletes left for Australia to say that please come back. We want all of you to come back. Things are not as bad. But okay. we almost got somebody to speak to <laughs> us, but we'll try. We'll see who's confident enough to come in and, and, and speak to us. But it's a very yeah. good point that you yeah, made. That was an excellent interview, an t- excellent interview with the guy from Australia. Thank you very much for that. Okay, great stuff. Thank you for contributing, uh, uh, Mike. Also, on um, Mr. Brown on Twitter says, these games are a golden ticket for most athletes from war-torn countries. We can't really blame them for doing uh, what they did. And a uh, very good point also, Asanda. I mean, we know, as, as I said, we know what's happened in Sierra Leone. We know what's happened also um, in, in in Rwanda as Africans. And, and there are serious um, issues going on in those countries. Uh, some, we sometimes seem to have it easy. We think we've got a lot of problems and we just go and we just tweet and we hashtag and we hashtag and we do all sorts of things but there are people with serious problems here and it'll be interesting we'll follow this story up and we'll find out out of the 200 now that have applied for asylum you know how many will get uh, to remain in Australia and most importantly what are the reasons that they've given uh, for, for, for not wanting to go back uh, to their country